0: Repeated more often than any other command in the Bible. Do not fear. fear. All right, good. Someone went to Sunday school class. Do not fear. It's all over the place, Old Testament, New Testament. It's almost in every story when an angel appears, right? Do not fear. And I was getting this picture, as I was just sitting there as Jenna was praying. I got this image. If my kids, when they were, they're all older, they don't have nightmares, and come running to dad's bedroom anymore. Some of that I'm glad, and some of that I kind of miss them being little kids. But there was never a time in my heart as a dad when my kids woke up in the middle of the night as toddlers and they were afraid, that I came into their bedroom and I came and said, don't be afraid. Stop being afraid. Don't be afraid. Is that how a loving dad would talk to a three-year-old that's afraid? That would not make them feel any more less afraid, right? And so sometimes I think we read scripture and we think that God is giving us these commands and he's just mad at us for being afraid, but he's a good father. And so when he says these commands, it's not this, don't be afraid. He's not mad at you for being afraid. He's coming as a loving father. He says, be of good cheer. Don't you know I've overcome the world? Right? In this world, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to get fear that's going to come up in your heart. But don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. And I'm for you, not against you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? Right? This is, this is what I told my kids when they were little kids, right, and they were afraid, they watched Veggie Tales and so they knew the song, they knew the video, right? God is bigger than the boogeyman, right? God is bigger than the boogeyman. Sometimes, so when I would say, don't be afraid, I gave some reasoning. Why would you be afraid when God, who's much bigger than the boogeyman, is for you and loves you? In fact, as I say he loves you, can I say this? I know scripture says, as a dad, I know the scripture well. Those whom... He loves, he disciplines. I reminded my kids that often, right? I'm disciplining you because I love you. I'm yelling at you and I'm spanking you because I love you right now. I was doing these things because I love you, right? So there's these things that my love is the motivation, but sometimes as kids, we don't see it. But do you know that every time God speaks a word of correction, it's because there's something in your life you're not receiving his love, and it drives him nuts that you're not enjoying the loving relationship he has with you. So he's angry with that thing that's blocking his love for you. And so he's going to come against that thing, right? It's the loving thing to do, to say, you need to know this needs to be removed so you can have the joy and the peace and the goodness of all that I have for you. Is that making sense? So as a good father, he does discipline, but not out of anger and frustration and, oh, what is wrong with them, right? It's because he's such a good father. He's like, no, let me tell you, you shouldn't be afraid. You're experiencing emotions and thoughts that shouldn't be inside of you because perfect love casts out fear. My perfect love, if it abides in you and you actually were just full of my love, there's no way you'd be afraid right now, right? And so that's why he's saying don't be afraid. It's because I want you to experience the fullness of my love. That, I think, is a great segue. There's nowhere where I was gonna preach this morning, but I think that's what God was saying to segue where we're going this morning because I do believe the Lord wants to put courage inside of you. The Lord wants to put courage inside of each one of us. That is his, as a good dad, he wants you to be brave and strong. He wants you to be courageous. If you remembered, I know sometimes it's like the worst thing for a pastor to ask, what did the pastor preach on last Sunday? It's like, ooh, sometimes I forget what the pastor preached on last (laughs) Sunday, right? But, The kingdom of God has no end. He doesn't want us to be these pathetic, weak little Christians. He wants us to be bold and courageous and strong. He wants us to forcibly advance his kingdom, right? The the kingdom of God is forcibly advancing, and his people are forcibly taking it, right? We're, We're seizing what's going on. And so I love that we use the analogy, right, that universe is expanding. Everything God does is multiplying and expanding. And so it should be the same thing with us, right? The command in Genesis, the very first words spoken to humanity were what? Be fruitful, multiply, expand, subdue the earth, right? It's this command. The command has not changed since Adam and Eve. He wants you and I to receive things from him, steward them, multiply them, and expand it other places, right? So the reality is God wants to put his love inside of you and he wants that love to come out and get on others, right? He wants to put courage and boldness inside of you and he wants it to come out and get on others, right? Probably the most famous verse, right? Joshua nine. has everyone heard that before? He went to Sunday school class. Be strong and courageous or strong and of good cheer, right? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord wants you to be courageous. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to have these things because they're his, He's courageous, he's strong, right? And so he wants that inside of you. And he's telling this to Joshua because he's saying, as a leader, you've got to be this because I need all the people under you to be strong and courageous too. You're about to go into the promised land where you're gonna fight enemies. And if Joshua is the leader, you're not strong and courageous. How do you expect the whole army to be strong and courageous, right? So there's something about this. He's telling Joshua, he's not mad. Be strong, you weak little pathetic kid. Get strong. He's like, no, Joshua, don't you understand? I'm with you. Wherever you go, I am with you. Wherever your feet go, I've already gone there before you, and I'll go with you, and I'll be behind you. I'm with you. I'm for you. So be strong. Know the truth. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Know what I've said. Know what I've all these blessings and promises I've given you. Embrace them and take them in, right? And so there's this command, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of our our vision statement here at at Osborne. Our mission statement is right that we pursue a relationship with God. And you know that he's pursuing a relationship with us, right? It's going back and forth. But we pursue a relationship with God. How? By embracing his promises, his word, encountering his presence through worship, and empowering his people. That is, to me, that third one is what I want to kind of talk about today is I want to learn how to be encouraged so that I can encourage others. The reality is... There are people all over your life, as I read, as I opened up the service, that have weak hands. Their hands are not completely up. They've come down. When I say that, I kind of referenced that, right? It says, strengthen hands and make firm the feeble knees, Isaiah 35. And so, without going to all the Hebrew and all breaking it down, but it just says that to strengthen the hands means there's hands that aren't all the way up, they've been lowered. And like I said, Maybe your worship isn't this kind of worship. It's kind of like, oh, poor me. I just need to receive from God. And it's not wrong to receive from God. Or maybe, like a fighter, right? Put your dukes up. You ever heard that? Put your dukes up. If your hands are down, your guard is down. You're susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. So he's saying, no, be strong, be courageous, put your hands up, get ready to fight. Get ready to block the, the attack's of the enemy. Get ready to praise the Lord, right? That's the weapon of our warfare. It's mighty in God, right? This is how we fight our battles. We worship the Lord. So the God is saying, I want you to be strong and courageous, not just for your own sake, but the reality is, I have given you courage. I have given you strength. I have loved on you, right? So it's not that we don't have these things. As I was reading this about Joshua, oh man, There's verses um, all throughout Scripture where it says, right, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Um, Just a couple more. We read Isaiah. We read Joshua. There's another one in in Samuel, 1 Samuel um, 36. I don't have it. But David encouraged himself. It says in some translations he encouraged himself or he literally made himself strong in the Lord. Do I have it? And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his son and daughter's. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Context, if you guys don't know this, it's the story of Ziklag. David is going out fighting a battle, and he left all his women and children back at Ziklag. And while they were fighting this battle, the enemy came in and stole all all their possessions, all the women and kids. They come back, and now his mighty warriors are like, David, you made a mistake, and they were ready to kill David. And David said, hold on, before you kill me, let me go see what God wants to do. And while he goes spend time with God, he realized I love it. it. says he strengthened himself in the Lord. It wasn't that God just strengthened him. David strengthened himself in the Lord. So I get it. I can ask God, would you strengthen me? That's not a bad prayer, and God does do those things. But there's also, there's presence in God's word where he says, I've already given you courage. I've already given you my promises. I've already spoken things over your life. I've already given you these things. Now learn how to strengthen yourself. All these people were weak. And they were dismayed. Their kids, they thought all their wives and kids were killed. They had lost all their courage. They had lost all their hope. They had lost everything. And now David, his best friends and family, are ready to kill him. So he's like the most discouraged. And he says, no, I will strengthen myself in the Lord. I'll be the most encouraged. And I have so much courage that I can give it to others, right? Psalm 23. What, What does he say about the shepherd? He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Right, Surely your goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. That's on the heels of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not fearing any evil, God. You're with me. right? David understands that, God, you're my shepherd. You never leave me. You never forsake me. And right now, I feel weak, and I feel like I'm in a valley, and I feel like the enemy is all around me. Oh, wait a second. You prepare a table before me in the presence of enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over right? He's reminding himself, no, God, this is what you said about me. This is what you've done time and time and time again. So I know how this goes. I feel discouraged. Everything around me says I should be discouraged, but I choose not to be discouraged. I choose to raise my hands and strengthen myself in the Lord by blessing you, honoring you, worshiping you, getting my focus off of my problems, off of myself, and turning my attention and my affections onto you, Jesus. You're my shepherd, and you have anointed me. You've anointed me, and I know you've anointed me. And oh, as he begins to worship the Lord, as he begins to strengthen himself in the Lord, his cup is running over, and he comes back to Ziklag. And he comes, and he encourages his mighty men. And they see the courage, and it's overflowing out of David. It's getting on all of them. And now they go, and they run. They just come back from battle. They were physically exhausted. Now they're emotionally exhausted. Now their minds are thinking all kinds of different things. But somehow, David encouraged himself, and it got on them. And it says they had the strength to chase after their captors that had taken their wives and children. And they ran and over-pursued them. And it says they annihilated, annihilated them, got all their women, all their wives, all their children, and all their own possessions, plus all the possessions these raiders had gotten from other people. So they actually got more than they had to begin with, and they brought it back to Ziklag, and there was this great party, right? Would that have happened unless David strengthened himself in the Lord? There's things that God wants to do in your life, and he's saying, would you learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord? There's something that we need to learn how to encourage others, but can I say this? You're I'll come back and say that. We all have a calling. Would you say that? Like, some are called to be pastors and teachers. Some are called to be stay-at-home moms. Some are called to be all kinds of different things. Would you agree we all have a calling in life? Yes. All right, we all have a calling in life. Some of it looks very different. Here is a calling that all of us have. We all have this same calling to put courage inside of others, to build up others, right? You guys heard the fivefold ministry, right? It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. We're all saints. We all have a ministry. We all have a calling. And in every one of our callings, in all that we are called to do, part of our calling is to encourage others. Where did I get that from? There's a verse. In Hebrews, we have probably heard it a lot during COVID, but there's actually, I don't wanna talk about the COVID part. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people. There's the COVID part, right? But I, I'm, kind of, I'm doing the part before and after it. But encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a command. Encourage one another. It's one another. If you look up that phrase, one another, it's all over the New Testament. Love one another. Encourage one another. There's all these things about one another. So we have a command to encourage one another. But I love what this passage does. It says, let's consider how to encourage one another. So when it says consider, more than you want to know, in the Greek, I don't have it right here, but I just remember studying this. It says that that word means to think from the top to the bottom. That's what it means literally. When you consider something, you're thinking through every detail, and you're going from the very top, the most important, the very least important. You're just thinking about everything possible. And in this context, he's saying, let's consider one another. Let's deeply think about ways we can encourage one another. In other words, you can increase the quality of the way you encourage those around you. We all have a calling to encourage. Can I tell you, no matter how long you've been encouraging people, no matter how good you're encouraging, you can increase the quality of your encouragement to those around you. And the command is, think about it. Increase the quality. Then it says at the end, right after the COVID part, but encourage one another as and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more. So can I tell you, you have to increase the quality, but you also have to increase the quantity. We all have a calling to encourage one another. Can I tell you this morning, the command is for you specifically, each one of us, I'm preaching myself this morning, is I've got to increase the quality and the quantity. Getting away, I can't get away. I don't know why for the last couple months I've talked about my mom all the time. She is a great encourager. You can ask all my kids. They get a Valentine's gift. They get a card. They get things in the mail. They get things written to them, text to them. She is just an encourager with her words, with gifts. She just loves to think about other people and encourage them constantly. Even though she's probably the biggest encourager I can think of on this planet, God's word to Loretta Donnelly this morning is increase the quantity of your encouragement. Increase the quality of your encouragement. So I don't care if you're the best encourager in the room. The command is increase the quality and the quantity of your encouragement. It says until the day comes, until Jesus returns, every day we are to be increasing the quantity all the more, all the more. Every time we come on Sunday morning, we should be coming here to increase our encouragement to those around us. I hope you come to church to receive something. I hope you come to church to receive a message from the Lord. I hope you come to to encounter the Lord's presence in worship. I hope you come ready and hungry and anticipating, expecting to get something. I hope you do. But can I tell you, if that's all you do, if that's all you ever come to church is just to receive, you're like the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea, you guys know the Dead Sea? There's water up in Galilee, the Jordan River, and all that comes down from the mountains, goes down the valley, and it pours into the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place, and there's no outlet And so the Dead Sea has nothing living inside of it because all it does is receive and never give. Because it never gives, there's no life there. So if all you ever do is come to church to receive and you never give, eventually you're gonna be the Dead Sea. (laughs) There's no life there. So I'm telling you, when you come to church, I, I, I don't have it all here, but there's scripture multiple places that says you should come with a spiritual song with a prophetic word, with something that you've come here with something. You've spent time in your quiet time with God this last week, and you've been getting revelation. You've been getting specific words for yourself. You've been getting dreams and visions. You've been getting things from God, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to church because I'm betting something that I got is for someone else other than me. I'm coming to church because someone else, man, their hands have went from here to here, and it's my good pleasure to, man, just lift their hands all the way back up again. I find joy in giving courage to others. As I talked about David, can I say this? The number one person you are called to encourage is yourself. Might sound selfish, arrogant, prideful, but here's the truth. You can only give away what you already have. If you're not full of courage, if you're not full of joy, if it's not overflowing, how do you give that away? You can't. So we are all called to encourage one another. Can I tell you this morning, you are called to encourage yourself. If you came in here, just being honest, and your hands in some area, maybe it's not your entire life, but there's an area of your life, there's a circumstance, there's a relationship, there's a you fill in the blank, there's something going on in your life where, you are not abounding with hope, you are not enjoying that situation, you're frustrated and you're lacking strength, then you came to the right place. This is a hospital. This is a place where you can hear the word of the Lord and you can get surgery and you can get blessed and you can be received, but it's also a place where you can learn to give away and you're finding, oh, I need an outlet to give away too, right? It's both. I need to receive and I need to give. Sometimes, right, It's just a practical truth. It's in God's words, too, but it's just kind of known, right? If you want more friends, then be more friendly. If you want more joy, maybe give away some joy. So I know it's like I'm saying two things at the same time. It's both sides of the same coin, maybe. You can't give what you don't have, but at the same time, whatever you do have, you've got to steward it. If I only have this much, I'm not abounding in joy. I only got this much joy. Well, then figure out how to multiply that joy and just give away what you have. I've shared it a thousand times when I first, first several years I was preaching. I, I often feel like the little boy coming to Jesus with five loaves and two fish. Like, man, I see the need and I'm like, God, I feel so silly and awkward. Like, this is not gonna feed everybody. This is not enough but I'm just gonna put it in your hands and you can multiply it. And then actually Jesus says, actually, no, I'll break it. I'll put it back in your hands. And now disciples, you go and multiply it. Do you know Jesus didn't break all 5,000 pieces of bread? He broke the first piece of bread and he gave it to his disciples. He says, now you go break it. And it actually multiplied in their hands. As they took what they had, they're like, Jesus, you want me to go feed this group of 50? You gave me two pieces of bread. How am I supposed to feed 50 people two pieces of bread? He says, just go give what you have. And they would break that piece off and give it like, how do I still have two left? Break that up. How do I still have two left? Break it. They gave what they had and it got multiplied. Are you hearing the word of the Lord, right? Be fruitful and multiply. You maybe you came to church this morning and your hands aren't fully here. They're only here. Well, at least they're not here. Give away what you have. Not all of us are abounding in everything. Hmm. As I said that, there are people next to you that need encouragement. There are people, can I say this As, as a dad or a husband? There are people that I have authority over that need encouragement. There are people that are over you that need encouragement. Everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs courage put inside of them. And as I say this, the idea is the quantity needs to increase, but the quality needs to increase. Can I go back to that quality a little bit? I I was thinking, I was saying this earlier this morning, I was thinking about when I was the youth pastor and I was trying to foster introverts to start seeing that they can actually minister to those around them. And so I was just saying, you know what? We're gonna put someone in the middle of a circle and everyone has to say something nice about that person. Just say, I will give them things. Just say, I really like your shoes. Like, I could tell you clean your shoes, and they look really nice. Not very profound, not super encouraging, but just find something to come out of your mouth to say that is nice about the other person, right? And that's where it started. It was very elementary. It was very, I'll just say, in the flesh, just thinking of whatever nice things we could think of. But eventually, it, it provoked It stoked the fires to say, you know what? I can actually hear from God and the quality of my encouragement can increase. Instead of me just thinking on my own of something nice to say to someone, I can actually say, I have so much love and affection for this person. God, would you give me something that comes from your heart, from your word? Would you give me something that's prophetic, something that's from you? I'm listening to you, God, and what are you saying about this person? And the quality increases. Instead of saying, oh, nice shoes, I can say, God, what are you saying? I I just noticed their feet. God, is there something prophetic about their feet? Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Oh, okay, God, can I, instead of me manufacturing that, God, is that what you're saying? Is there something beautiful about their feet? Oh, wow, they're encouragers. Oh, wow, they bring good news. Okay, and I'm actually dialoguing with Holy Spirit, and now I have a prophetic word to give them, not just nice shoes. I'm actually encouraging them. In something that God has called them to do. Is this making sense? I'm just trying to give you something practical. I want to increase the encouragement of when we come to church. And I don't mean just saying nice things to each other, right? I'm glad we say nice things to each other and I want to increase that. But I want to get to a place where this becomes, I've said this before and it's been a while since i said it. I want this to become like, I don't say this like pie in the sky. I have faith to believe this. I really want this sanctuary to become a depression-free zone. Meaning anyone, I don't care if they're off the streets, they've never been here before. They walk into the room and we all are so longing to encourage someone and we have so many things going in our hearts and our minds that when someone comes in, it's like, oh, fresh opportunity, that kid needs encouragement. He's gonna leave here with probably 10 different prophetic words speaking over him life and hope and godliness and all these things that not just I'm saying, but man, in my quiet time with the Lord, I was getting these words and I had no idea what it was for and now I see this person I'm like, oh, it's for them and I get to give it and it brings me joy to give them a word from the Lord. Is this making sense? It doesn't just happen because we just pray and we wave a wand. God made this a depression-free zone. No, it happens from us learning how to strengthen ourselves, encourage ourselves, find how to spend time in God's word and God, I don't want to just receive something for myself. I want my cup to run over. I want you to anoint my head and I want it to be so full that I'm overflowing, that I've got so much to give away and I'm excited to give it away. Is that making sense? All right, just to make sure it's making sense. I, I'll have you repeat after me. That way I know you're alive and you're saying it, you're agreeing with me. Can you repeat after me? I have a calling to encourage, I, have a calling to encourage. I am an encourager. I'm not, with evil. I'm not overcome with evil. I am not overcome with good. I overcome with good. Alright, good. That's who you are. Good stuff. So I, I, I want to marry that idea really quickly about the quality. And when I'm saying prophetic, I want to increase the prophetic, and it's because the prophetic. Can I say the bedrock? of prophecy, of New Testament prophecy. If you read all scripture, the bedrock of of the prophetic is encouragement. It's my desire is to build up. My desire is to love. So you can have, uh, I get it. There there can be, in fact, let me do this. I love Jack Hayford, so I, I wrote down a couple of things he said about this. Let me find it. Okay. So it came from you guys know this like if you guys know the things about prophecy it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? It's something that it's a gift we don't earn it, we don't deserve it. It's just given to us, but it also just like anything we have to learn how to work it out. We have to build build our muscles in that. So it's a gift that God gives to you and then you have to strengthen yourself, right? You have to start working out. You have to increase the quantity. How many times you give do reps that increases your strength, right? You have to increase the quality of things, right? So there's things we have to do, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's kind of listing all these gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, we know it's the love chapter. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it kind of puts these two together. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So we're pursuing love. That's our filter, that's our motivation is, man, I just love God and I love people, right? That's the two commands. All of God's words summed up to those two commands. Love God, love others. So in my pursuit of loving God and loving others, I'm desiring spiritual gifts. I want, to, I want spiritual gifts so that I can love on God better, I can love on people better. And he's saying, and especially that you may prophesy. So Paul is saying, they're all great gifts. Not all of us are called to be a prophet. Can I say that? Yes. That's, not a, that's not a calling all of us have to be in the office of a prophet. But God's word, I don't have time to go through this. Even in the Old Testament, Moses talks about it. He says, we can all prophesy. We all have the ability to prophesy, meaning we all have the ability to hear something from God and deliver it to someone else. We all have that ability. But I love that, again, that 1 Corinthians, the idea is that I can speak in tongues. a men of an angels. I can speak in tongues. But if it's not because I love God and I love people, it's kind of a sounding gong and clanging cymbal. It's not very attractive. No one wants to listen to that. I can, I can have the gift of prophecy. I can have all faith. I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge. But if it isn't love as the motivating factor to give that prophetic word to you, it profits nothing. Uh, in fact, it says, I am nothing. I'm a nobody. I can have all these gifts, but if it isn't love, man, it, it's, it's not producing what God wants it to produce. Again, going back to the Father heart of God. He disciplines Not out of anger and frustration, because he's like, man, I want you to enjoy all the love I have. And this thing is blocking my love from getting all over you. And I'm going to correct this thing so that my love can be there, right? So the same thing with prophecy. You can get a prophetic word. Okay, really quick. Use myself an example and I won't say. There's times where God has given me, whether it's prophecy or discernment, something where I recognize that I've, I was talking to someone and I saw or I understood that there was not good stuff going on in their life. I'll just say it that way, right? It's not wrong to call it out, but I've got to speak the truth in love. I've got to have that filter of love. I've got to say my desire is to see them healed and delivered and set free and to enjoying all that God has for them. So how could I, just not, how could I not say anything? This is messing up their life and they're not enjoying life. So my motivation is, man, I want them. This is what I always say as a pastor. I want them to have what I have. I want them to enjoy God and enjoy life. And I'm like, ah, that thing that I see in your life is blocking you from enjoying life. So of course I'm going to say something. But it's not because I see it and I'm judging you and I'm like, ah, disgusted with you. It's like, no. As a dad, when I come into my kids and they're fearful, it's not like, oh, you stupid three-year-old, you're afraid again. No, it's like, no, I love you so much. Let me remind you again. God is for you. He's bigger than the boogeyman. I'll hold your hand. I'll walk through this with you. I'm not gonna not speak the truth, but I'm gonna do it out of this motivation. I love you and I don't want you to be fearful. His perfect love casts out that fear. So let's talk about God's love. Let's have that be in your mind more than whatever's going on in your mind right now. Let's fill it with the truth and the love of God, right? So this is the motivating factor. So Jack Hayford, let me go back to that. That's why I was the preface for that. These are some notes he has from, um, from Corinthians. And he says this, in love being our primary pursuit, prophecy is to be welcomed for the edification, exhortation and comfort of the congregation, corporately and individually. There's lots of words here, hopefully you can follow. Such encouragement of each other is what prophecy by the Holy Spirit looks like. Prophecy is intended as means of broad participation, everyone among the congregation, mutually benefiting each other with anointed, loving words of upbuilding, insight, and affirmations. So I say that there's lots in there. I have a role from being up here on the platform to bring the word of God, to encourage you, to say say things from God's word. But there's a difference. I hope you are blessed. I hope you're being spoken to by God through what I'm saying. But there's a difference from me just preaching or teaching up here and you getting a specifically tailored individual prophetic word from God from someone. Does that make sense? gods I know God is speaking as I'm up here. He does it all the time. He's speaking different things, highlighting different things. And you might all walk out of here with a different thing than I thought was the most important point. God can do that. I get that. But there's something about this prophecy, it's not meant to be general. It's meant to be specific, it's meant to be tailored to your life. And I believe that we can all prophesy, right? And I want to encourage that. Does that mean anytime? Well, let's be real. I've grew up in this church. I've, I've received, I've heard people prophesy over me and all kinds of prophetic people traveling through and all kinds of things. I've received all kinds of prophetic words. Can I just be honest with you? Not 100% of every prophetic word given to Ryan was 100% accurate. Can I just be real? Does that mean I just say, well, prophecy's not for today then. Oh, well, that person who delivered it, they're an idiot. No, right? We're learning, right? We're learning things. We can all prophesy, praise God, I also have my own relationship with God. I can, I can get a prophetic word and I can say, okay, God, what was from you? What was maybe not 100% from you? And I can say, okay, I can, right, what's the, the phrase? Take the good, spit out the bad. What is the? Uh... Eat the, meat, spit out the bones. There you go. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. All those different phrases, right? The idea is every single one of you, whether you are one day old in Christ You can receive a gift of prophecy. You can have a love for someone, and you can attempt it. doesn't mean you're going to get it all right. And I, as a pastor, want to create an atmosphere where prophetic words are given, but also understanding and teaching that not everything that's said by Billy Bob Joe is 100% right. Is that making sense? There's enough love and affection for each other that I can say, you know what? Hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's people that I said I don't think you 100%. I, I had enough relationship with them. I said, hey, i so thankful you gave that, and I'm glad you're trying. I don't think all of that was from God. Can that be loving, Lee said? And can I still encourage them, put courage inside of them to try again, even though they didn't get it 100% right? So I don't want to squash things, but I don't want to just say, well, it's free game, and whatever someone says is 100% from God. No, there needs to be wisdom. There needs to be understanding in those things. Is that making sense? Okay. Hmm. All right, so I said there can be a more general and then more specific. I think I can, I can read this verse and I believe it is a general prophetic word, not just God's word, but it's for us for today. Is that making sense? Like it's a rhema word, it's like it's living, it's active, it's not just written word for thousands of years ago. So going back to Isaiah 35, We read it in one translation. I want to read it in the Passion Translation. It says this. My people will see the awesome glory of Yahweh, the beautiful grandeur of our God. Strengthen those who are discouraged. Energize those who feel defeated. Say to the anxious and fearful, be strong and never afraid. Look, here comes your God. He is breaking through to give you victory. This is an encouraging word. This is something that might be for individuals here in this room. And I say this as the pastor of this church. I love to say this. My people will see the awesome glory of Yahweh. I make that a declaration. I make that a prayer. The people of Osborne will see the awesome glory of Yahweh in an increasing manner. More and more and more. But what I want to happen here today is not just the pastor saying something from the platform, saying something like this. What I would love for is for people to receive specific, individualized prophetic words from the Lord. So I could, I could have some of you stand or raise your hands and we can do something public and that, there's actually a time for that. But I feel like for today, there's an opportunity to get one. But again, it's not forced, it's not contrived, it's not any of those things. I'm okay if everyone attempted to give an encouraging word to one another. I'm good if we do that but I believe God wants to do more than just give an encouraging word to everyone. Is that making sense? I want everyone to leave here more blessed than the way you came in. But I believe there's something about what God was saying in this Isaiah 35. I believe there's more than one person that your hands are not fully strengthened. Your knees are not completely firm. And God is saying, I want to put courage inside of you. I want, to put, I want to strengthen you and I want to do it through someone else in the body giving you a personalized, prophetic, encouraging word. Is that making sense? So we're going to have the worship team come back up and they'll do one last worship song. And if you're lacking courage, you're lacking strength, hmm, You're lacking the word of the Lord, direction, wisdom. There's a lack. How about that? Lack of strength, lack of joy, lack of peace. There's a lack, and you know what it is. You're not just like trying to find something muster, like, you know, yes, I came here with a lack. I am praying and believing that God can and will give you a prophetic word that will put courage inside of you, that you'll leave not lacking. Is that making sense? All right, would you stand with me? And I'm going to invite you to start here, to put your hands right here in a posture of receiving. I'm going to say a simple prayer. God, I believe that I'm yours. I believe that all of us here, as I say this prayer, we're all just in agreement with this, God, that we're yours. And we wanna receive so that we can give. We wanna receive more of you, more of your truth, more of your life, more of your words of correction, more of your discipline, more of your love and affection, more of your encouragement. And God, we wanna be obedient the things you've already said, God. We wanna be healthy vessels that we know how to give away. So God, I pray that each one of us would learn how to encourage, to increase the quantity and quality of our encouragement that we give to those around us. But I pray above and beyond that, anyone who has a lack would leave here Full to overflowing. So during this last worship song, I'm actually not going to come back up to dismiss. I'm going to dismiss you now. You can you can go and go pick up kids. You can go and leave. You need to go. But we're going to stay here just a moment and allow there to be maybe some encouragement in the room. But if you know you're lacking something, I'm going to say come all the way forward. Come all the way forward, come all the way up here. In fact, as I said that, do it now. Be bold enough to do it now, don't wait. If you know you need a specific prophetic word, you're in a lack place of lack, come forward now. Just be bold, maybe it's one of you. That's it, everyone's gonna be staring at you. Just come forward.